Bokatov. The last daf, the ultimate daf of Beitza, and we start with uh, the um, top of the. Well, you know, <coughs> let's read the Mishnah on Lamet Teramuzet. Nisha you pay rotav biyacharet viyerubene oto ha'ir lahaviyetzo pay rotav or lavoetzlo is some is one of the years says. Um, so his his fruit are in another city, so they're outside of his tchum. Here we have this thing. He's in city A. His fruit is in city B. They're 3,000 amos away. He did not make a special Erev Tchumim. So his Tchum is here. So his fruit are outside of his Tchum. But the people in city B made an Erev, and they can go, they can't go that way, but they can go this way, and they can get into city A. So they can't bring his fruit, because his fruit is outside of the Tchum. His fruit starts shop, starts Yantar being outside of the Tchum, and can't be moved. So therefore, lo yavilo, they can't bring him his fruit. But if he was the one that made the Erev here, and now his Erev goes to the next city, then Perotav Kamo, then his fruit, I mean, Perotav would come out the first part as well. But now his fruit go follow him, they're with his Erev, and therefore he, same way he can go to the city, he can bring his fruit back with him. If you invited guests to your house from Shabbos, you're uh, in city A and you invited guests from city B, you didn't make an Erev because you weren't going to move, but they had to make an Erev in order to come to your house for Shabbos. So, lo yulichu manot. You can't when Shabbos, you know, after they're going home uh, Shabbos uh, a- afternoon after their lovely lunch, you can't give them a little package to take with them to bring back to city B because this is your food and your food is limited. So you are tchum. They're able to come. They may never. They were coming to your house on Shabbos, but they're but the food you have is limited to your tchum. You can't give them something. They, that they're, they're go- they they could bring food to you, yes, because it starts Shabbos is theirs, and they could bring it to you. And you could eat from it. And you could eat from it, but you can't give them food. They can. They will wind up taking your food, the food that is defined by your tchum, out of the tchum. Unless you already transferred ownership of that fruit, of that food to them from Erev Yantav. You said, I know uh, Michael's family is going to come and I'm going to want to give them a little food to take back with them. So I have somebody be counting for them a few water bottles and a few sandwiches. And then that's when Yantav began. It was already there. So when they come, I'll give it to them. And, it was all, and therefore, it already started Yantav as being defined by their Tchum. Right, okay, yes. There's a din for the fruit that can't go out of its Tchum. Right. Where the people from A can go to go to B, so it's the same for the people from B, right? They can't. They also they didn't make the A, but they can't walk to A. No, no, no. But no. the scenario is people from B made the A. Oh, they okay. can't walk to didn't B. make the A. They, they can, can walk to B. But they even though the people can walk to B, they can't bring him his fruit from B because his fruit goes by his A. Right. But the guy from A, so the guy from B also can't walk himself to A. Unless right? he made an error. The scenario is he did make an error. The scenario is even though these uh, guys made an error to go to A, they the can't bring the fruit. Right. Sorry, I'm still wondering about that other case. He can bring their fruit to A. Why is A allowed to eat from the B's fruit? Because it's not chutz It's chutz Doesn't matter. You're allowed to benefit from stuff that's not in your tchum. It's fruit that can be where it is. Okay? Uh, and even if you were conan on Yantav, maybe it wouldn't make a difference because it goes by how it was defined when Yantav began, right? We had those things about Mashio on Yantav and all those issues. Okay. Let's take a look at the Gemara. Itmar, it was told. Hamavki peyos eto chavero. So you give stuff to your friend to watch for you, fruit. Rav Amar Karagli Nishif, and before Yantav, whose chum does go by? 
Rav Amakaragoi Mishidif Kidulo, it goes by the one who is walking the fruit, who took possession of them. Vishmol Amakaragoi Hamafkid, it goes by the one who, um, the owner of the fruit, the one who gave them over to be watched. Now, just to remind you, you might remember we've had some cases like, um, um, you know, giving something over to um, lending something. Let's take that as a, as, as a good contract. If you lend something to somebody before Yantif, then it goes by the borrower's tchum. Okay? And the Gemara even said, even if you say you're going to lend, even before you've handed it over, but it, but it would go by the borrower's tchum. But that's the point where the borrower is taking possession of it to, like, use it. Mm-hmm. So then, obviously, it's defined by him. It doesn't need technical ownership. It needs control and all those things. So it goes by him. In this case, you have, like, a split between who Who's control like physical control it's in, but who is, not only who's the owner, but who's really you know who's really controlling who has a say over the object. So you're watching it for me, but in a way you're just my you know you're just you're just an extension of me. You're doing my job for me. It's not really under your domain, and therefore the question is who does it? Whose is it? Okay. Like yeah. So the Gemara doesn't get into those details, you know. And I, I will remind you also there was a case where it went where you were doing something for me, and it was considered to be your under your domain, which is the case of the shepherd, right? If I gave the shepherd the sheep before Shabbos or Yantiv, excuse me, it goes by the shepherd. But there too the shepherd has a certain control. He's walking them around, he's grazing them and so on. So even though he's doing it for me, they're under his, he's like controlling yeah, them. Right. But if all we did is we put it in a room in your house and locked the key and just, I'm keeping it in your house, I'm keeping storing it in your house, how much is it really under your control as opposed to being seen under my control? So that's what the debate is. Okay? But Shmuel, so Rav says it goes by the one watching it and Shmuel says it goes by the one who entrusted it. Okay, the owner. We'll say the owner and the uh, guardian. Um, if I wanted to be fancy, I would say the Bailey, right? If you ever see those English translations, the Sancino translations of Baba Messiah about the Shomer Chinam and the Shomer Sachar, yeah, it talks so about the Bailey. Okay, anyway, moving on. So, so the, you okay. can eat it, but you can't necessarily take it and walk out of your tomb. According to, according to Rav, that it goes oh. by the one who's watching it, right? So the one says like this. Lema Rav Shmuel to Azul Maybe Rav and Shmuel go according to their reasoning, which is really based on a debate of Tanayim. Now we talk in the Mishnah. Okay, so this is a different case, completely different, where is um, I have my cow and I'm coming um, and I walk my cow into your field and then my cow falls down a well or gets gored by your cow or something. So since I'm walking in your yard without your permission, I'm trespassing essentially, I have to assume all liability and any damage that you or your objects do to my cow, you're exempt. But, says the Mishnah, in if you tell me, yeah, come on, oh, come on over, bring your cow, sure, you know, come, we'll sit, we'll schmooze or whatever, and I go into your field with my cow, then you're chayat. Okay, if something goes wrong to it, and you basically not only chayaf like the normal halachas of you know nezek in babakama, but the assumption being once you say come into my field, you're, you're also saying is, and I will you know it's like homeowners insurance. I will take responsibility for your objects, right? Isn't that homeowners insurance that when somebody comes onto your property, you have responsibility for things that happen yeah, to them? Liability insurance. Well, homeowners insurance if my stuff gets damaged, right. right? But you have liability insurance if somebody gets damaged on when your property. Right. I can be covered. Right, 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 right. And then the problem becomes in American law, even if they came trespassed, if you had like some irresistible yeah. temptation, like whatever, right? You have like a, a, a swimming pool in the summer, then, you know, then you're still yeah, liable. Yeah, even <laughs> house. Okay, even if they come in and close. Yeah, a burglar broke into a house, through a skylight, fell down onto a guy's like kitchen knife. 
and then he sued the homeowner. <laughs> okay, anyway. All right, so we'll have a lot of fun discussing that when we do Bubba Kama. So David's like this. Yes. Like an assistant. Right. Okay. Yeah. Ah. Okay. So anyway. So okay. So anyway, if you say come on in and you welcome the person, then you assume liability for their for for their uh, for their cows and for the objects that they're bringing in. Okay. It's not enough to say come on in. You have to say I accept responsibility to walk your objects. Okay. The Amarav Gunamarav, Halacha Kedivrei Chachamim, Shrav says we go like the Chachamim, that just to tr- going in implicitly assumes liability. For Shmuel Amar, Halacha Gerabi, no, you need to explicitly assume liability. So the Gemara says, look, here's a debate of whether when you hand something over, how much is there an implicit or, you know, how much is the assumption of liability implicit or not? Rav says it is, Shmuel says it is not. So Gemara says that exactly maps onto this debate of Rav and Shmuel. So the same way Rav says over there that there is, there is an implicit assumption of liability here to, of, of here too if you give something over to your friend he implicitly is assuming responsibility and therefore it becomes like his and Shmuel goes like Rebbe over there by the ox and whatever that says you have to explicitly assume liability and then here too in the case by giving your food over to a friend unless he explicitly says I'm obligated to watch it it's not really considered under his control. Okay, now the funny thing is that the Gemara is framing it like, it's, you know, we're test two issues. One is a question about your objects get damaged. The other is which tchum it goes onto. If this really is what they should, are debating, they should be debating the much more fundamental question, which is, under, and what circumstances in Hilchus Shomrin, if I give you an object, mm-hmm. are you at what point are you considered the Shomer? Do you have to explicitly say it? Do you have to here? Could you just watch this for me? Do you have to say I'll go accept responsibility? What is the moment in Hilchus Shomrin when you assume li- liability? Okay, it's very bizarre that like ah, that we're not discussing. We're discussing question of Nezek and discussing So it sounds like although some poskim want to read that at the bottom, at the end of the day, the whole relevant issue here is can be decided by how you poskim in Hilchus. Shomrim, at that what stage somebody technically becomes a showman and assumes liability, it sounds more here that there's other things going on rather than just the technical legal liability. You know, it's the question about, about like, like we saw before, you could be considered a borrower just by the verbal agreement in terms of Hilchus Tchumim before you actually took possession of the object. And here too as well, it might not be the question of the technical legal liability, but when you're sort of considered to be, your role is in a particular capacity or when you have a certain relationship to the object, it could be defined by different parameters. But okay, the Gemara says, the same way Rob there says that the trend, your obligation becomes automatic. Here too, he would say the same, and therefore it would go by the nifkad. And Shmuel says it has to be explicit, and without being explicit, it would still be controlled by the mafkid, and it, has, it would not go over. It has to be more than a shomechinam by that analogy, right? I mean, he's not even. Uh, shomechinam is chayven so yeah. it's good. Okay. okay. So anyway, so let's take a look. Um, so the Gemara says no. I'm um, Ravuna. So Ravuna say we could say back to you. So I'm. Um, I'm sorry. I'm Lecha Rav. I know what I just said. I'm Lecha Rav. Rav would say back to you. Anadam Yafil the Rebbe. I could say even according to Rebbe, who by the case of the ox says that you need to explicitly assume liability. When does Rebbe say you need to explicitly assume liability? When I just say, come, to, come into my yard, there's no context of being a shomer. I'm inviting you into my yard. In that context, for me to be a shomer, I would have to make it more explicit. Wait, does that mean I, is, I don't assume you're going to show up with your cow? No, no, no. I know you're going to come up with your cow, but that's your responsibility, not mine. Come in and watch your own cow. 
Okay? Just inviting you into my yard is not, the context is not, uh, come, let me watch your thing. The context is, come and visit. If it's a come and visit context, it's a jump to go from there to liability. So Rebbe says, there you have to be explicit. In this case, in this case, it wasn't about visiting. In this case, it was, here, can I leave my object by you? So maybe you didn't say the magic word, can you be a showmare of my object? But it, the context was, I'm leaving the object by you, and you're going to be the one who's going to be watching it. So in that case, you don't need to be explicit. So Ralph says that's been very logical. We could have a debate when you invite somebody into your yard whether there's an implicit assumption of liability or not. But if you're giving somebody your object to watch, what is it if not the person is becoming a showman and being responsible? And therefore, Rob says that automatically happens without saying it explicitly, and therefore it goes by the nifkad. He is the one who has taken responsibility of the object. That's what Rob says. That's easy. How about making the opposite argument according to Shmuel? Let's take a look. The Shmuel Amar and Shmuel say, I could say, even according to the rabbis who there, by the case say, just welcoming somebody into your, into your yard, you are even just welcoming, you're automatically assuming responsibility. But, but, but incur, and assuming and incurring. But it would, be, it would not be the same here. Why not? They only say it over there that it's implicitly assuming liability. Let's look at it from the perspective of the owner of the cow. I want you to take over responsibility for my cow when you welcome me into your yard. Why? Because the Because then also, if my cow if my cow gets damaged, you're responsible. And if my cow damages you, I'm, I'm not responsible. Sure, you ask me to come into your yard. I'd love it for you to take over the responsibility of my cow. Now you can worry about it. I don't have to worry about it. Ava, for that case, we get why the welcoming the guy wants to hand over his, his thing, or, you know, legally, or in terms of responsibility, and that's why it happens even without saying anything. One minute. Ava, that's true over there. In this case, why should I assume that somebody wants his, your, your fruit in your, other person's, in your other person's control, in your other person's possession? Now that's crazy. If you didn't want it in your other person's possession, what's the context? It says, you know, so what do you mean a mafkid? Mafkid means, here, take this, watch it for me. I don't want it to be mukim say. So again, there's something going on here that is more conceptual than technical legal. Yes, I want you, I want it to be in your house. I want you to watch them, but I don't want it to somehow be seen as you're taking them over. Okay, and that seems to be, now by the way, I should say, because part of, as you saw by the Gemara, part of the responsibility, I just want to check one thing, one minute. You might not say what a relief, but you gave your apples to your friend. Yes, but it's... Uh, now, I do want to say something that is something similar here with the two cases, and which is, might be why we're not dealing with it just in terms of Hechus Shomim. Because you might have noticed that when it says that when the ox is given over, or take the, you, you assume responsibility when I bring my ox into your yard, it not, it not only means that if my ox is damaged, 
damaged, you have to pay me, but it means if my ox damages you, I don't have to pay you. Okay, that's a little bit different. And that might be, it's not just an issue of shomrim. It's a concept of shomrim that transitions into a quasi-sense of ownership, right? Because if it's, if it's my ox, why do I not have to pay you? But if, no, if you're taking responsibility, then maybe it's a little bit becomes like your ox, okay? And that seems to be what we're dealing with here, right? A normal shomer is just an extension of the balabayas. And why should, if I'm watching it for you, why should it go by my tchum? I'm just doing your work here. The only reason it should go by my tchum is if I get a, a little sense of being a little bit of an owner, like a quasi-sense of ownership, you know, relationship to it, not just, not just watching it for you, like the, she- like the shepherd. The shepherd might be in your employee, but he, take, he controls it. He walks around where it's going to graze or whatever. That sense of practical control, that quasi-ownership, is what's important for tchumim. And I think that's why we can have this issue. Sure, I give it over to you. It's not like I don't want you to watch it. I want you to watch it, but it's not nichalei to take on say. I don't want you to have a certain degree of control over it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what's going on here. It's not just, otherwise have this discussion in Hilchos Shomim. But we're talking about, no, 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 no. It's not a question of chiv shmira. It's a question of when the role of Shomer transitions to a little bit of, hey, I'm walking this. This is my thing. I get to decide. Right? And there's this quasi-ownership element to it. And they are saying, okay, that's a reasonable difference. I'm coming with my cow into your yard. I want you to be considered the owner. So I can just be free of anything that happens with my cow. But if I'm asking you to watch my object, I don't want you to start going around and acting like you're the boss of my object. Just watch it for me. You know, you're just me. You're, you're not your own. You're not in control of it. Yes. Okay, but, then, but then it gets a little bit fuzzy. Let's say I'm not mocking payroll, but I'm mocking my cat because I'm going away for a couple right. of months. So I don't want it out of my possession as well, too, because my cat calls your... You know what? Then you might be right. Then that might have that mouth camino. Okay. So now the question is like this. Okay. Right. Okay. How does the degree of ownership relate to the degree of liability? Because if my cow... I mean, how much? In other words, you were talking about degrees here. Right. So that's a good question. Like, if you have different people that have the title of owner, who's liable when the animal damages? Right? That's a good question. Or if the right. animal gets damaged. Right. Well, get, right. So that's a good question. Meaning, I bring my cow into your yard, okay, and you also have, um, and you say, come on in, or whatever. And we say, okay, you assume it's, it's liability. If my cow damages your cow, I'm exempt. But now Michael also, you, and, you know, comes into your yard. And the cow goes and it damages Michael's cow. Do you pay or do I pay? Right? So they're, like, both of us are sort of, so it's a, anyway, we can have all that fun in Baba Kama, but it's a good question. Okay. <laughs> all right, so now we're going to like this. Tanan. All right, so we had that interesting comparison. We still have this debate. Let's now look at our Mishnah. Because our Mishnah has a case of my fruit in another city, so presumably somebody is watching it, and the principle of the Mishnah is that the fruit goes by me, <coughs> even though they're being watched, presumably, by somebody in this other city. So let's take a look. Tanan. We taught in the Mishnah. Um, um, if you made an error, then your fruit can go, uh, go like you, but otherwise, again, could have brought the proof from the race of the Mishnah, but anyway, the Mishnah is clear that the fruit go by your tchum, not by the people who are watching it. If it goes by the one who's watching it, why does it go, but does you, when you make the tchum, does it go by your tchum? Again, it's a funny that's focusing on that line of the mission, but it basically means, why is it going by your tchum? The whole mission assumes it's going by your tchum. How about the people that are watching it over in City B? So the Gemara says, Ah, it goes by your tchum if you say, we're locking it in this closet and not taking it out of this closet. Then everybody agrees it goes by the owner. The debate is it's not designated a space. Now, why does that matter? 
So again, you could say, well, if it's locked in a closet, the other person is the shomer. Since when? Okay, but again, I, the point I go back to is, it's not a question of, are you a shomer? Are you liable if it gets damaged? It's a question of, to what degree are you a balabayas? To what degree do you have a certain control? If I say, do not take it out of this closet, I've tied your hands! How could you consider yourself? So your whole job is to stand in front of the closet and not let people get in, right? That's your job of a shomer. You have no control over it. So of course, by Tomim, it's not going to go by you. But if I say the debate of Rav and Shmuel is that you can move the fruit around, decide where's a safe place to put them, you can rinse them, you can do this to them. If you're controlling them in that way, that's when we have a debate of whose Tchum does it go by. But if you're not controlling them, everybody agrees it goes by the owner, not by the person watching it. Okay, Tashma. Let's take a look at another case. The, the, the end of the Mishnah. If you invite a guest, then you can, they cannot bring home um, you know, food with them after the end of the meal to go back to City B. Unless you transferred ownership from Erev Yantav. So the Mishnah says, okay, you transferred ownership from Erev Yantav. What's going to be the case? I have my water bottles and my sandwiches and I'm going to give Michael when he go, when, 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 you know, after he has a meal with me tomorrow. But, Oh, but between now and tomorrow, who's watching Michael's water bottles and sandwiches? Who, who's watching them? Me! Right? I'm watching his... Wa- now, I've transferred ownership, Erev Yantav. Now, I'm watching his water bottles and sandwiches, right? So why does he get to take them home? According to the idea that it goes by the, wa- the guardian, then they should still be limited to my rishos, because when Yantav began, they're under my control. When okay. his at all, he has no sense of ownership, even though it's with you? Well, but not for Hilchos Tchumen. That's the question. If it's under the physical control of a guardian, and he then, according to Rav, Rav says it goes by the one watching it, not by the one who owns it. I'm just surprised that there's no issue. I know, because, I know, you, because you could say that, yes, two people, but you don't, then it even more limits the fruit, so it's easier to say it's one person. But you're right, there are two people competing for the title, and the question is which one. Nobody says both. Okay. In terms of the, uh, the host doesn't know what he's really going to give the person to take. Uh, that would be the Bray request in But let's say not. Let's say I set aside a care package. Oh. Water and sandwiches. Uh-huh. I'm going to be mezaka them for Michael. Give it to somebody to be coded for Michael. I'm going to put it in the fridge. Where, and after his lunch with me tomorrow, he'll take it home. Okay. But between now and tomorrow, I'm watching it. So according to Raj, it should go by my tchum, not his. And we haven't accomplished anything. So let's take a look. So the Gemara says... Um, okay, so the verse says, uh, so if you go by Rav, that it goes by the one watching it. So who cares that you transferred ownership? Um, so you're still the one watching it. So the verse says, No. 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 So, um, so, so, uh, one minute, let's just read the, the next answer. If Ebi Sabin, if you want, I could tell you, Zachashani. That being Zachazem, that's a different story. Now, why is Zachashani? So Rashi says, because there, the whole point, the reason I'm doing it is in order to enable Michael to take it home. So it's almost as if I am saying, I don't want to have, you know, control over these. I want these to be under Michael's control <laughs> to enable him to be able to take it home. So it's like I relinquish any rights and any control. That's Zachashani. The question is, what the, if that's what the second answer is, it's not so clear what the first answer means. Kemisha Yichelokaren Zavistami. 
right? Because, you know, why is the Kanisha Yichud lo Karen Zavis? That probably is because of Zachashani. Since I'm a Zaket to him, it's like I. But anyway, somehow it becomes, no. In that case, clearly, it's like, no, this is not about me, it's about Michael. I don't have, I, I'm not asserting any control, and therefore, that everybody would agree. Okay, let's keep on going. Um, one minute. Um, right. So it says like this. Um, okay, dummy. Uh, I just want to say. Okay, okay. Zachashani. Rav Chana Bar Chaniloi talab Yisra beivrad dasha. Okay, so for Rav Chana Bar Chaniloi, they suspended some meat from him. They hung it out to dry, um, you know, on the other side of the bridge, um, and um, you know, and, um, and the. Um, and uh, basically, you know, some people did this for him, and it was one of these cases. He came from the neighboring city. Some people on Arab Yatsa that hung on Well, no, Tala lay. They were told. Well, we're going to see in a minute. It's a little ambiguous who did it. Okay. So that was the name of the city. No, no, Dasha is. Uh, what is it? How does it translate there? Dasha. Door pole? Door pole? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah, I said, I said, bar the door. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Dasha's a door. I was just trying to understand. I mistranslated it a minute ago. I was thinking, um, but yeah, so Dasha's a door. So, you had, did they have some picture about what it looks like to no, send meat no, from a door? Anyway, he came from City B. Right. Uh, he came from City B to City A. Some people had put out meat for him, for him to dry. And the question is, now he's got this nice beef jerky, which is dry, so it's good for, for traveling. Can he take it back with him to City B? Whose you know, who's, who's tchum does it go by? Similar, almost exactly our case, like the case of the bottles of water and the sandwiches, except here it was meat. Okay, so the question should be, were they mezaket to him or not, right? Like the Mishnah. Let's take a look. Okay, so let's take a look again. Um, it says like this. Um, he suspended meat, right? He, says he suspended it, but we'll see in a minute. Meat by the other side, of, you know, on the side of the door. Also, the kamei dravuna. He came to dravuna. I'm away. So, what's the Can I bring him back with me? So, when it said to him, "E at talis," if you're the one that suspended it, you know, so you're the one that set out to dry. So, zioshko, then it's yours again. Or, you know, maybe if they gave it to you, even if they technically own it, again, it was under your control. You were the one hanging it out to dry before yantiv. So, it goes by you. You were the one under control over it when yantiv began. Then the inu talilucha, but if they were the one that were hanging it out and controlling it, lo tishko, then don't take it, okay? So therefore, because it was theirs, it was under their control, maybe. Question, who owned the meat? But certainly, but here the focus is on, like, who was controlling it and manip- ma- handling it when Yantif began, right before Yantif. So now the Gemara says like this, one minute. The iu tala mishakil, I don't get it. If he was the one that was uh, hanged hang, hang it out to dry, why can he take it? Rav Huna is a student of Rav, and Rav says it goes by the one in whom you know to whom it was entrusted. And the Gemara is assuming that even if he was the one that hung it out to dry, like before Yantiv began, but he started Yantiv over in City B, and they were still the ones that were watching it in City A. So even if he's the one that hung it out to dry, why does it go by his home? It should go by, he left it, he, he set it out, he said, I'm going back to City B, I'll be back tomorrow. When Yantin began, it was in City A, being watched by people in City A. So who cares? And if he goes by Rav, it could go by the people under whose control it is when Yantin began. Begins. So let's take a look. So the Gemara says, um, a minute. Okay, so the Gemara says, 
Shani Avadidasha, the Kanishi Yichon Go Karen Zavisami. We're back to the Karen Zavis. Which here makes a lot of sense. Like, you're not supposed to handle it. It's out there drying. It's like being locked in a closet. Don't touch it. It's out there drying. You're not supposed to move it. You have no control over it. And therefore, this is a case that even Rob agrees it goes by the owner, because the person watching it, their job is just to watch, but not to control it in any way. Okay, very nice. I don't get it. The Inu Talile Loshko, I don't get it. And if they're the ones that suspended it, then he cannot take it. Right? Why can he not take it? Because maybe, presumably, then, it's like their meat, meaning it's his understanding. Right? If it's their meat, and they're the ones that were doing the whole thing, then he can't take it. Why not? Well, well why should he? I mean, it wasn't his when Yatsi began. So it says, one minute. Damar Shmuel, Shmuel says, Shur shel petam, remember we did this, if you're fattening up, an ox that you're fattening up, and since the intention is that you're going to give it to somebody on Yantas, then from the very beginning, it's not about being yours. It's about being the person who's, who's going to come and take it on Yantas. So here too, even if they own the meat, right, it's not about it being theirs. They're doing it to be for whoever's going to come and take it. So, Ravina Ravashi, so Ravina said Ravashi, the Inu, so now we're going to have three questions that it shouldn't matter that it was their meat. It should all go by the person who came to pick it up. Okay, one is the example of Shor Shopetam. Number two, the Inu Talule, if they were the ones that did it, Loshkal, you're telling me he can't take it? We were like Rabbi Dosa. Rabbi Dosa is the one who says that if you normally give it to a shepherd, even if you didn't give it to a shepherd before Yanta began, it goes by the shepherd. So here too, they were doing it in order for Rafuna to come, for whoever it was, to come pick it up. Right, Rafuna to come pick it up. So it should automatically be his. Why is this different than the case of the fruit? The case of the fruit is, you're watching it when Yanta begins, and you're not expecting me to come pick it up. Right? You're expecting that you're just going to watch it all of Yanta. There we can have the debate that if, you know, according to Rav, if I have some control over the fruit, it goes by the watchers and not by me, because you're not expecting me to be there. Here they say the whole point is they're doing it so he can come pick it up on Yontif. If he can come pick it up on Yontif, even if, even if they're the ones that own it and control it, it's for him. How is it different than you're planning on giving your sheep to the shepherd on Yontif, or you're planning to give the fattened cow to somebody on Yontif, right? You're doing it for them to give it over to them on Yontif, so it should automatically be like theirs. Okay? By the way, that also explains the case of the water bottles and the sandwiches. Right? You don't need the Karen Zavis. That's what the Gemara says where it says Zachashani. You don't need the idea of the Karen Zavis if the whole point is to give it over to the person on Yantif. Then clearly it's about being in that other person's control. Okay? So here, why should it matter? It should be like the fattened cow. It should be like the sheep to the shepherd. Okay. So the Gemara says, Amalei Ravashi Lerav Kahana. And the third question. Now Ravashi is the one who was being challenged, turned and challenged Rav Kahana. The Inu Talulei Lo Shakil, they're the ones that did it. Are you telling me he can't take it? But now we're telling the Mishnah, HaBehema Vakelim Kiragle HaBalim, that it goes by the owners. Now, what does that mean? That's like the weakest point, because the Mishnah is saying it goes by the people in A, not the people in B, but his point is that he's just reading it through the light of the previous two arguments, which is it should go by the person who's going to be controlling it on Yantem. That, right, that is really like a very bad textual argument. He's just sort of reading it through the lens of the other two arguments. Ella, Shani Rafchan Barchani you know what, you're right. Really, he totally would go by his Tchum, and it wasn't an issue of Tchumim. So what was it an issue? 
it was a different concern. Rabchana Bar Chanilai was special. To Gavar Rabahu, he was a great person, which basically means we would sort of say, in this context, he was a little bit of an aloof mensch. His head was always in the cloud and always in learning. Okay, and therefore, Vitari Bishmaite, he was always thinking about his learning. The Hali Kamerlain, this was Dursan, said, nothing to do with Tchumim. Tchumim, it would go by him. Even if they did it, it was for him. He was expected to pick it up. It would go by him. Here's what he was saying. If you're the one that suspended it, then you, you, you know what it looks like. You have a simon. And therefore, when you come to pick it up, you know it's the same meat. I mean, it's still Below, Right, exactly. It's a conscious issue. It's a conscious issue. And you wouldn't have been distracted from it. You'll know that it's the same meat. And then you can come and take it. But somebody who did it for you, then then it was unattended. And if it's unintended meat that you don't know if it was the same meat, below Tishko, you can't take it. It's a buster shinitaminai. It wasn't totally different. Okay. Okay. So, so anyway, but the bottom line is we have, I, we have, I think, you know, we have very important shift here. This idea about the one watching it and the Yisrael turns of is basically saying it gets back to this theme that for this issue of Tchumim it does not go by the technical ownership. Same way like the Gemara says when you promise to lend somebody to something even if you haven't transferred it before Yantiv or the examples given here you're expecting to sell it to somebody. It goes by an issue not of technical ownership or technical shmira, but control. And therefore if I give you something to watch and you can do nothing except stand guard or you know the meat is drying out you do nothing except watch it clearly then you're not in control I'm in control similarly even if you are controlling it but you're doing it with the expectation of giving it over to me or giving it over to somebody on Yantiv itself then it's about that person who it's going to be given over to and that would be the case like the care package or the short shell pet them or the meat being dried out the question between Rob and Shmuel is it's being watched by people being in City B, not locked in a closet. They're, they're not expecting the guy from A to show up. So they're, and they're the ones that are deciding what to do with it and where to put it. In that case, maybe it is much more under the control of the watcher and not under the control of the owner. Okay, last Mishnah. See that? I thought we would finish a half hour early, but okay. We, have a, we, we gave ourselves a little more time on that discussion. By the way, yes. it, it, you know, it is an assumption that no one's watching that meat. No, just yeah. I didn't hang it doesn't mean they didn't watch it. I understand. Right. Okay. Ain okay. Maskin So Aval, we have to end of course with Muksa. We have to start with Muksa, we end with Muksa. We go from eggs to uh, to um, to to meat. Okay, so you cannot go ahead on Yantav and water and check, you know, the uh, the wild animals, the ones that are out well, not wild because you own them, but the ones that they're out in the desert like you know these are the animals that spend the entire year as we'll see or half the year away from your farm out grazing with some cowboys out you know out in the desert and those are things that if they happen to come into your domain on Yantiv they're, they're basically Muxa right they're, so those you cannot do on Yantiv but you can water we'll see what the watering is about and Shech the, the domestic ones Alien vices, these are the domestic ones. Halanos Pi'ir, those that they are, they sleep every, you know, in the city, in the village. Midbarios, and the ones that are in the wilderness ones, Halanos Pa'afar, they don't come back to the village. They go in there, they sleep out in the wilderness. Now, exactly what is the line between village and wilderness and so on, but presumably it was well enough understood. 
Okay, let's take a look at the Gemara. Lamali lemeimer mashkin v'shochtin. Why does it say you have to water them and shech them? What is about watering them? So the Gemara says it's about shechting them. It's about eating them. So no, milta agav orchei kamashmon. It's telling you something in passing. Before you shech your animal, I'm giving you a little good advice. What you want to do is you want to give your animal a lot of water to drink before you shech it. Why? Because of the adhesions of the leather. Meaning apparently it's a lot more easy to peel off leather, to flay off leather, if it has had a lot of liquids right before it was shechted. I don't know. The Gemara, uh, you know, obviously is much more in touch with this than I am. And that's why the Mishnah assumes that if you're going to shech them, it's what it's assuming as a natural thing to do is to be giving them a lot of water before. But the real point is shechting it. Okay. Tanur Rabbanan, a rabbi taught. These are the wilderness ones and these are the home ones. The wilderness ones are the ones that leave your domain on Pesach time in the springtime. That's when they start their whole grazing and they graze out in the wilderness. You know, like those old, those old, you know, uh, you know, uh, westerns, you know, where the cowboys are out there with the animals and they, you know, they're away from the ranch and from the owner, you know, a lot of times it's because they're transporting the animals, isn't it? Yeah. A lot of what's yeah. cowboys. Anyway, fine. But they're out there, they're grazing in the wilderness and they come back in the first rain. The first rain is the beginning of Marcheshvan, when we start saying like, Okay? So they're out like seven months of the year, basically from the beginning of spring till, you know, the, uh, till like towards the end of the fall or the middle of the fall. Uh, beginning of the fall, I should say. Whatever. Okay, but they're out for about six months. The Elohim Baisos, the following are the domestic ones. They, when they graze, okay, they're grazing outside of the city limits. So now we have a more definition of city limits. But when they, every night, they come back and they're brought back within the city limits and they, and they sleep within the city limits. So that's the, um, that, you know, that's the home ones. By the way, you realize that by positively defining both categories, you leave a middle category, a whole middle that isn't defined. There could be something that doesn't come back and sleep in the night, but also isn't out seven months of the year. You know, which category is that in? But okay, those are the basic two paradigms. All right. So the Gemara says, Rebbe Omer, Rebbe says, Elu is saying, no, both of those are home. Even the ones that are out of the house for seven months are still home ones. Okay? Ella, Elohim Midbariot. These are the wilderness ones. The if they're out there grazing in the wilderness, you know, in the dust, literally, and the Einichnasos, the Yeshuv, they don't come into inhabited territory. Not in the summer, not in the winter. They basically never come home. I mean, so I don't know what type of animals you would own that never came home, but whatever, no, the ranch is outside of the village. They never come in within domesticated areas. Okay, those are the ones, only those are Muktsa, other things are not Muktsa. So Dwar says, Umi Isle the Rebbe Muktza. Now, so Dwar doesn't unpack this debate of exactly what the line is between which are the animals that are wilderness ones and are Muktza and not. Just says, I don't get it. What is Rebbe doing discussing this? Since when does Rebbe hold of Muktza? So Abloy Mine Rebbe Shimon Bar Rebbe Me Rebbe, Rebbe Shimon the son of Rebbe Astra Rebbe, Ilate Mara, the Rebbe Shimon Maru. The Rebbe Shimon is, the Stam Rebbe Shimon is not Rebbe Shimon Rebbe's son, it's Rebbe Shimon Bar Yochai. So what is the story about the Psilates Mara of these like unripe dates? Now there's a debate of Rashi and Tosos what these unripe dates are. Rashi says they're dates that are picked unripe 
and um, you put them in a type of a wicker basket and they ripen after they're picked inside of the basket that they have to wait. Tosa says they are dates that you actually um, put up on the rooftop to dry out and to make them edible. Until then, they are not edible. Okay, so in that way, it's similar like to the grapes that are drying out on the rooftops. But the difference here is is that the grapes you could have eaten as grapes and you were making a conscious choice I'm not going to eat these as grapes or as apricots. I'm going to make them dried. I'm going to make them raisins. I'll make them dried apricots. These things were not edible to begin with. So what Rajan and Sosa both agree on is you're trying to make them edible either by waiting for them to ripen or by actually drying them out. Okay, so what's the story? Rip Shimon, who normally doesn't hold of muktza, would he hold that these are muktza or not? Amrlay, and he said back to him, in muktza with Rabbi Shimon, there is no concept of muktza for Rabbi Shimon. Ella grogus with smoking bovad. Just like the, um, you know, the, uh, the, the uh, drying out uh, figs and raisins or whatever. Now, why are this different if they're both flying out? So again, that's what Tosa says. There, you made a conscious choice. I could eat this as a grape? No, I'm going to turn it into a raisin. So you're pushing it away. The other case is you're constantly trying to get it to a stage where it could be eaten. So if part of that is drying it out, that's still part of making it, trying to get it to be edible as soon as possible. So that would not be muktzah for everything. You're not pushing it away, and therefore it is not muktzah. And okay? the between the and Rashi Well, Rashi said also you're trying to not, you're not pushing it away because it wasn't edible. But for Rashi, Rashi gets, goes even further. Rashi says you're you know it's not like when you dry it out, you sort of start a long term process. Process. What Rashi sort of says is you immediately put it in a basket that speedens up the ripening. So for Rashi, it's even like a little bit more obvious that you're uh, acting to make it fit as soon as possible. For Tosos, there's a more, at least, you know, a superficial comparison that in both cases you're drying them out. But, in, but Tosos says, but the difference is, are you drying it out to make it edible in the first place? Or was it edible and now you put it in an inedible position to transform it into something else? Okay? So the point is, according to Rabbi Shimon, it would only be limited to that case of the, 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 you know, the, the, grapes be, the grapes becoming raisins. So the Gemara says, okay, so, bah, so you see that Rebbe, though, holds the Rebbe Shimon. Uh, he holds that, that Mukta applies only in extremely limited positions, conditions. So why is he discussing whether these uh, animals are Mukta or not? They're not like the grapes and the raisins. Right? They're not being pushed away in this absolute way. You know, they're still edible if you get a hold of them. So if I say, if you want, I could tell you, honey, nami could go with smoking dummy. No, these are like grapes and raisins. You're basically sending them off, and that's why Rabbi has a much smaller category. These animals, you're never going to see them. Not in the rainy season, not in the dry season. They're always going to be outside of the city. So until they actually get shechted and brought to market, they're totally being pushed away. They are like grapes and smoking, more than the case of the uh, dates that you have to uh, dry out. The Ebay say, if I want, I can tell you, He's saying, yeah, according to Rabbi Shimon, those, that case of the dates wouldn't be muktzah. I personally hold of muktzah. But you ask me, what would Rabbi Shimon say? I'll tell you, Rabbi Shimon would say they would not be muktzah. The Ebay say, or the third possibility, the Dibrem de Rabbanon Kamar, he's saying, according to the rabbis, I would all no mukta again no mukta literally mean no mukta but very very tiny category I don't believe mukta is at all relevant to this case of your cows that are grazing I hold like Rabbi Shimon but you that hold of a mukta you should at least concede even if you hold of muksa, which I don't you should have a more liberal category your definition of muksa should not be so broad and you should at least say that the animals that come in during the rainy season are considered home animals and not muksa. so I'm going to lay Rabban and the Rebbe's like no, the Mario's like no 
we hold of muktzah and we hold of a very broad category of muktzah and we'll call those animals wilderness animals and say that they are muktzah. Hadun alach mashilim peros v'slikam is 